Welcome to Gin and a Mug podcast, where myself, Sally Rose, and my good friend, Amanda Jane, catch up each week for a debrief. There will be some tough subject and some swearing, you've been warned, but there will also be a lot of laughs, oh, and a lot of gin. We hope you enjoy. Oh, there we go. Now we've got it working. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Sally. You know, I always swore, Sally, that I would never do a podcast, and yet here I am. Amanda's lost it. Uh, I have. You know, weeping woman, give her a ticket. Kick her in the guts. Let's go. Can't I just sit in my car and cry? It's a bit of a niche, (laughs) bit bit of a bespoke boutique area. You may just see for us. I swear I have PTSD and I'm not joking <laughs> from dealing with the NDIS. The politically correct, comfortable phrase? I believe, Sally, it's called a life-limiting condition. Mm. Hoping for sponsorship? Yeah, just any local gin. If you want us to get drunk on your gin, we will. Um, we're laughing, but that's what we do when we feel like shit. So um, so cheers, Sally. Cheers. Um <laughs> <laughs> Don't. All right. We are kicking in. We've just turned into real podcasters. We're like, stop talking about that until we're actually recording. Um, I'm Sally, and, of course, here with me is Amanda Jane. And, Hi. Uh, Not Mandy. Amanda. <laughs> and we've already done the glamorous um, intro thing that I'm going to make at some stage. She so will. Yeah, we will. Um, we were just having a conversation about cars. Um, I have had to uh, start trialling um, wheelchair accessible vans. Can I just say that uh, we both, Sal and I, are both big, tall women. So there's look the posit- We try and look at the positive. So the positive of getting a wheelchair access van is that there's lots of headroom. The downside is that they are the ugliest damn things you've ever seen. They are hideous. So, you know, we're both going for the least hideous, which is... Is it? Uh, they're voxies. They're not poxy. They're voxy. Oh, they're poxy voxies. Um, even my coffee guy went, Sal, that's a fucking ugly car. <laughs> <laughs> but you say, and the, the, the fact is, it's like, yeah, they're ugly, but, you know, this is my home office and it's big and when I'm just been to an appointment and I'm weeping. There's plenty of room for me to lean forward and stick my head on the wheel or to put the seat back and sleep. You know, they're awesome. Yeah, I do feel the car is my office as well. I spend a lot of time in it. So quite often if we're always having a bad day, I only drive. I don't drive all the way home. There's no point because you get home, you get comfortable. Nah, that's School right. calls you back. So I spend a lot of time in it. And it is the only time I, not the only time, the most often place I cry. I'm yep. not a public crier. No, me either. And, you know, it's not like you're at home and you can run into the toilet and cry because there's invariably a child knocking on the door going, Mama, <laughs> Mama. <laughs> but this is this is why uh, we started recording because today I had a phone call. My amazing coordinator of support who helps me with my NDIS because we have to do a big new NDIS plan uh, and she's the first coordinator of support that I've had that, actually gets it and is great because she lives the life she's lived experience cannot beat lived experience uh she is taking extended leave ah and because of her uh life um so i have to get a new coordinator of support and that's 
great. And I was on the phone to the agency just crying, going, for God's sakes, please give me someone who's not dumb, someone who gets it. Every other one I've had have been hopeless. Not with this agency. This agency has been great. And uh, so I'm sitting there bawling in my car after I hung up going, oh, here we go again. And I'd just spoken to some other people as well. I was doing all the phone calls. Doing the things. Office. This is my office. And then the uh, parking inspector just put a ticket under my windscreen. Compassion from the (laughs) Nipaluna Hobart City Council parking guys. You know, weeping woman. Give her a ticket. Kick her in the guts. Let's I have not Oh, love, you're going to have to pay for a ticket eventually. You can't just sit here. I said, it's an hour parking. I just pulled up <laughs> going, oh, but you don't have a ticket. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And I'm sobbing. I'm like, I can't sit in my car and cry anymore. That's not a thing. And he went, oh, I actually didn't see you in there. <laughs> now, if you've seen a Foxy, um, have a Google. They have the most giant windows ever. It Maybe is- he thought you were a blow-up. Mannequin or something. <laughs> don't know what he thought, but yeah, I, don't know. I got a ticket for sitting in my car crying. Yeah, really. I mean, it, it is it is a public offence. Yeah. You know. Do you actually just as a quick aside? And I'll first to recap on what you said. It's a universal theme. If you are someone who is receiving NDIS funds, or you help someone that you care about to manage their NDIS uh, file or funds. Weeping frustration and please don't give me an idiot is a universal theme. I swear I have PTSD, and I'm not joking, <laughs> from dealing with the NDIS. This isn't going to be an NDIS rant, but I'll just add that my uh, situation, yeah, my my first experience with the NDIA, my daughter um, is, you know, she's nearly 12 and she functions at a toddler level at best and uh, is completely dependent, doesn't sleep at night, incontinent, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, yeah, my first plan, she was told that she has the same care needs as any child her age and that it's parental responsibility. And I just still remember thinking, did I, did, did I go to the same appointment as the person who made those suggestions? It's shocking what you see in the difference between plans. Like some oh, people yeah. who's kids um, have a straightforward diagnosis is what I say and I I don't hold against anyone if they get a good plan I am so freaking happy for them for them because their child then has a chance but it seems to be the people whose child has one clear diagnosis a clear pathway simple easy for them to diet get a good plan whereas if your child's complex doesn't fit inside the box and all those people seem Mm. to uh, not get what they need I had to wait and fight for two years to get funded for a wheelchair. Very similar. My daughter, same thing. Maddie, I bought it, ended up buying her wheelchair from the South Hobart Chip Shop. <laughs> Much love to the South Hobart <laughs> Chip Shop. But that's what we used for 12 months while, you know, there was a debate around, you know, does she really need it? Yeah, yeah, she does. Well, Willem's you know? already using one. Yeah. and But then the TAS equipment hire couldn't hire, change them over anymore. It used to be a, such a simple thing. When they grew, go in, they swap it over, but the NDIS changed that pathway and yep. you have to get a new one. And it's interesting you mention that, Sal, because one of the things that is confusing with the NDIA for anybody 
is that NDIA's idea of what is health versus what is disability can be very skewed. This is in Tasmania. I'm not sure what it's like for people in other states. So then you get grey areas. So one grey area is who's responsible for a wheelchair. Another grey area is food or with nutrition or with um, enteral feeding. or And even dietitians. Correct. Like that's, that shocked me. So we are now doing night feeds, which that's a whole different topic. Um, they said that if I have NDIS funding, I had to go through the NDIS. So I'm like, no, but I want my dietitian to be part of our hospital team because we've got a great hospital team. Mm, mm. And this is medical. This is a... A medical decline. This isn't because of her original disabilities that she gets. Mm. And we're fighting that at the moment because they want me to stay with the hospital too. Mm. But the NDIA want us to go off and see a private dietitian. Who may not have the skill base or the knowledge or the experience or the, the, the links into the sector that actually has the knowledge and the skills and the experience. And they don't talk. Correct. They're not in the same building and also the dietitian we originally saw went, oh, I actually think blah, blah would be better at this and swapped me over to a different dietitian. A private one's not going to say, hey, don't give me your money. Go see Joe Blow down the street. It's not going to happen in the private sector. Well, it's just uh, we are having a little, a little rant today. I think we've both had quite the frustrating week. Mm. Yeah, we've had quite the frustrating week, so... Um, oh, definitely recording. Just wanted to double check that. Uh, we just took a little break because it's gin time after Yay. the frustrating week. Um, now, the gin we have is a, another Tassie one. I have too many gins uh, and I can't pronounce it, but I know how to read it. It's apothecary. Is that right? It's it's the word for chemist in the olden days. Um, it is indeed in a beautiful brown bottle. And I would uh, pronounce it because I lived in America for a long time as the apothecary. Puck fairy. I can say it. <laughs> <laughs> I put an American accent on it. Uh, so this one I'm going to with a little bit of uh, strawberry. It just brings out all the beautiful botanicals in it. So cheers, Sal. Cheers. Oh, thank God for that. Right, I like it when it gets to gin time. Uh, so yes, it's it's been it's been a bit of a week of it. Uh, the uh, car situation has been great because Amanda has had to change the type of car she is getting for her daughter. So in my vast search for a car, I'm going to buy Amanda's old one, <laughs> which has made my life a lot easier than trying to import one because you already do all the I did do all that. Oh, you did all that. So this, uh, the van that Sal's getting has a ramp in it, which is really awesome. And it's a van that I've only actually had probably six months and it's not right for my daughter. And so Sal, like uh, myself and probably lots of you, there's a lot of car swapping. There's a lot of changing cars. No wife swapping, just no car, car swapping. swapping. <laughs> yeah, nothing exciting. I can't remember the last. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's after the next gym. We'll talk about that. But, yeah, so I'd have to get one with a ramp. And I looked at a lot of high aces, the V-dub uh, ones that are taxis, uh, caddies just all the nose all and the nose, all nose. So. and this no. is basically a high ace with a different body on it and i don't mind and i kept trying to figure out why i didn't want it and why i couldn't go oh yeah this will do and it's because it's a wheelchair accessible van yep. it's freaking depressing um she needs it because 
while she still can to enjoy her time with her friends, she needs an electric wheelchair. At the moment, at the high school she's at, it's so big, people have to push her around. She has to have aids to get her from one classroom to another. Then she uses a walking frame, but she cannot get around. So if she doesn't go into town with her friends, because she can't keep up with them. And see, that's the thing. We like, it's not about the wheelchair per se. It's about for us, what that represents. For other people, it's a big sign of independence and it's a way of being able. So getting that van is abling people to get out and live life to the best. And this is what this is for, for your lovely girl as well and it's what it is for my lovely girl. But for us, it also represents uh, a step down. It's a decline it for us. Decline. So for other people, it's a stabilisation or a plateau. For us, it's a decline. So... You know, I've, I've had a lot of cars in my life. I like to car swap, um, you know, and this is just – I always said that if I had a minivan, I just I just would not go there. <laughs> and I'm now up to about – I just I was just like, no, just no. And now I'm up to minivan number one, two, three. I'm about to buy my fourth. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't mind a minivan. It's good-sized office, mm-hmm. um, I find – but, yeah, it's the decline and that's the sad bit and that's what's making it so hard to make that final to do step that, and go, yep. get it. And now I'm that person who needs the three metres behind me. I'm going to have to press a button and, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remember not to hit your head on the bar on the roof. I will. Uh, there's a few other things that uh, why it's been a big week is we have to do nighttime feeds now to keep her nutrition up and to keep her weight stable. And I haven't done it as yet. And the hardest thing, we talked about this in the last episode about not having a clear pathway, is there's no you must do this at this stage and you give her this much at this rate at this time. It's if you feel she hasn't eaten that much, then you can do this. It's all down to me. Yes. There's there's, yeah. there's no hard and fast rule because no one knows what's going on. We mm. don't know what each day is going to bring. And hooking up that machine, the Joey pump, to a mic stand behind her bed, hiring a hospital bed, again, the hospital, uh, when I rang up about hiring the hospital bed yesterday, the lady said, um, I said, can I come in and have a look at it? She said, oh, you can't really view them. It's an area that the public can't go to. I said, can you go take a picture and send it to me? She goes, it just looks like a hospital bed. Without the understanding that this is emotionally, and, and this is, again, the same for anyone regardless of age. Uh, um I remember very clearly when my father was dying. So my dad, who was an epic human, he was so conservative and his politics were like, seriously, he was one step before fascist. <laughs> <laughs> Loved that man dearly, though, because he was such a good human being, though. And he just basically, he was a feminist, you know, he was. He was like, there was no way his three girls were going to do anything other than go to university and be able to support themselves. So much thanks, Dad. Much thanks, Dad, because, boy, have I needed that. Um, and, you know, I remember that moment when we got the hospital bed into his room. So, Dad, we palliated him at home and he died at home. So that was a very strong wish for him. But I still remember that moment that the hospital bed went in there and the amount of just like, ah, so we're at that stage. So a lot of 
many of you might have that experience with your own children or with your own parents and there's a, an emotional leap which is like, okay, this is another step in that direction. It's, it's different, again, from having a, a child who will grow into an adult who will live to old age and this ensures that they are able to move around the bed or be taken care of appropriately. This is, for our kids, that next step. So for I had one, uh, organised one for Madeline last year and I remember getting it in and just I it was like I was thrilled that it was there because it meant it's meant a great deal in terms of making life easier which is the same for you and the same for Willow but it's the next step (laughs) and you're confronted with a series of next steps and what happens then is that you go out into the world so you've got all of this like all of us we have all of these backstories then we go out into the world and parking ticket man (laughs) (laughs) said, oh, I didn't see you, love. It's like, no, I know you didn't see me suffering. And it's just, oh, And you can can see how much this hospital bed is getting to me. Sally (laughs) does not cry very often, but can I just say that she's actually got some tears in her eye? Oh, uh, yeah, old ball if we weren't recording. Um, When I said to the lady that I need to see a picture and she you know, just threw casually away. Dismissed it, yep. Then she said, why? And I went, because it's fucking depressing. And she needed that much from me to go, oh, well, sometimes if you get a double doona, that hides a lot of it and, you know, and then she was really nice and gave me some advice on making it look better. But I had to express that. Oh, so it's just... And it's part of that exhaustion, isn't it? Because one... None of us mind advocating for our children. We do it day in, day out, or advocating for the person that we love who is elderly or disabled or whatever it is. We do it because we love that person. But when are we as a society going to get to a point where I honestly don't, where you don't feel like you have to justify why, I don't know, why my why getting a hospital bed and a wheelchair van for your kid might be a bit depressing? <laughs> On top of that, then I go back to this whole other experience. Uh, is I think it was 2019. It was before COVID, well before COVID, and we were having Senate inquiries in Australia into the NDIA and planning. And so I did, decided to take one for the team because uh, in the disability community, we all just get exhausted, right? If we all have to do the continual advocating for our child or person we love all the time, it's exhausting. So we take turns. Yeah. And it was my turn. So I remember that conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it's on Hansard if anyone wants to sort of read the backstory. Um, and the people who came on, who spoke before me, their son had actually, he was in his early 30s, he died waiting for the hospital bed that would have made his quality of life better. He actually died. He would go out to his mailbox um, in his wheelchair and, and wait to see if the van from the NDIA was coming with his bed while the NDIA vacillated uh, around getting it for him. So, you know, I think from memory, I think the parents said it was something horrendous like they got a phone call that the bed was available like a day after he died or something like that. It was something hideous. I heard that story. I thought it was the wheelchair, but it was the bed. bed. It was weird. It was horrible. So, So, again, backstory, decline, plateau, Go out into the world in your van, 
your ugly van. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, there's the van. Your van I'm calling ugly. Oh, it is an ugly van. I absolutely agree. But you are going to paint it black and put bat symbols on it, aren't you? I think she wants uh, the whole of the Robin family. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, sure. Not family. There's all different Robins from different genres of Batman. Sally, does and... this mean that I need to paint my van yellow and put black bows on it for a wiggle? Maybe. Oh, <laughs> Oh. Then at least you could have Spotto. I wanted to paint it yellow so we could do Spotto. And, and just punch each other in Spotto. Yeah. But then it might look like a taxi. So I'm not going to. But, yeah, that's. I think that's the big and that's probably going to be the title of this episode is that decline. It's every little thing that you do when you know, she got the nose hose, when we get the hospital bed, when you have to do night feeds. It's all just this little incremental yeah declines and it's so hard to accept when we have plateaus so at the moment we went through all these hospital visits where she went got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse we're actually in a plateau at the moment and so i'm like this is where my brain starts going everyone's wrong everyone's being over dramatic it's fine not that bad and because you forget what two years ago she used to be like you do, and then you have these experiences where it's extremely confronting, just like you're talking about. So at the moment, uh, for Madeline, she's just at the point where she cannot cope with full-time school. And so we had decreased it over a period of time to three full days and two half days. And that was great for a while, and we've had a decline ourselves. So now we're looking at maximum three-day enrolment. And what does that look like for her? And what does that look like for my family, my little wee family? So in terms of that, like the van is going to be my life. And my life when I was, you know, 30, 38 or 39, I forget how old, I was 38 to 39 when I was pregnant, didn't include a, a mummy wagon with a wheelchair ramp. No. No one's does. No. And there's whole other podcasts which we both absolutely adore that are dedicated to that experience. Um, yeah, but these symbols of decline become more uh, poignant and painful and, and just hard at times to deal with. And we, But yeah. do you get to, do you have those feelings of though, um, denial? Like everyone's oh, wrong? All the time. All everyone, the time. Everyone, no, they're wrong. <laughs> everyone's being overdramatic. Like, am I being overdramatic? And I can remember at one of the sit-downs where they had to retell me that she's not getting better and will number keep getting worse. Number two or three. I think it was number three. Yeah. I kept going, I just want to be that dramatic mum. You know, I just want to be that mum who over-exaggerates everything. Oh, and puts and, the big Facebook post up. Yeah, and, you know, we all put occasional Facebook post up after three or four too many wines. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we just feel or the sad. Cheap, or the cheap brand gins when the budget doesn't allow. Oh, and the, um, yeah, I want to be that parent. Oh, yeah. But I'm not, and I keep hoping I am that, and I keep hoping everyone's being overdramatic. So it's like giving the nighttime feeds. I'm like, no, she doesn't need it. No, she's fine. And the dietitian rang me and asked me if we'd started. Mm. And I'm like, no, she's eating okay. And, you know, she's still eating. And she's like, well, how much? And we went through and she went, well, that's about half of what she was. Oh, okay. And, and I'm like, I don't think she's lost any weight. So I even rang today the, you know, peds just to check if, you know, what her last weight was. And it's like, okay, I needed 
all that information to go, I know they're right. I know it. Do you know if there was a meme? But me- I have to start. If there was a meme for our lives, Sally, it would be that one of the dog in the bar and the back of the room is on fire and the dog is saying, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that one, but we're going to find it and we're going to put it up on the page. I think we should because it's, it's yeah, the dog is saying, this is fine. And that is our lives. We are the puppies in the room that's on fire saying, this is fine. All right, well, everything's fine and we're going to finish this episode here. We didn't say journey once. Yay! <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Gin in a Mug. Jump onto our Facebook group and let us know what you thought. There's also the Patreon. Feel free to chuck a few bucks in there if you want to support our gin habit or if you want us to pay an editor to make this sound less shit. But most importantly, if this episode has brought up any issues for you, we've put the link in the show notes to Beyond Blue, Lifeline and Carers Australia. Make sure you keep talking. Big love to you all.